It's November 25th, 2015, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's technology. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. We're going to kick off this show with a couple of news guests. Nader Hagigipur, an astronomer at the Institute for Astronomy, will tell us about an extreme solar system conference and whether we're living in an extreme solar system happening this weekend. Then Rachel Herman is here to tell us about an American Association of University Women, or AAUW as they're known now, a scholarship from them for women going into to STEM fields. And finally, after the break, we'll spend the rest of the hour talking to Department of Education Superintendent Kathy Matayoshi and uh, Senator Donovan Delacruz about a regional approach to STEM called Live, Learn, Work, and Play. Do you know what your district specializes in? What is available for your school? You can get your questions answered as well by calling in or sending us a tweet after the break. Before we get started with our news guests, we wanted to say a couple of uh, quick things about a new project that Bert and I heard about this week. It's called HiViz.io. It's H-I-V-I-Z dot I-O. It's a new website that was built by recent graduates of the Dev League Coding Boot Camp. And what they decided to do was take visitor market information currently published on the web, helpfully by the Hawaii Tourism Authority in spreadsheet format, and turn it into a visual presentation, charts and graphs, and allows you to quickly shift around and look at information based on where visitors are coming from, how much they're spending on travel, on food, on accommodations, on entertainment, and basically trying to build a tool that can support people running businesses in our state's most vital industry. Now, I thought it was interesting. The team members were Brian Butling, who we've had on the show. He previously organized Startup Weekend Honolulu, and he is uh, he went through Dev League. He even did a crowdfunding program to pay the tuition. He worked with Alex Anich, Brock Lenoza, and Brian Alexander to build HiViz.io. And, you know, they could have built a food app, an uh, Instagram clone, um, but a, dating they decided, a, a dating app or a game, <laughs> but they decided to build a tourism data dashboard. Well, you know, and, and I was quite impressed by the fact that they took data that, uh, for the most part, was in spreadsheet format. They had to scrape PDF files. Uh, they also did it over the, the years that were available. I think it was like uh, 2007 to 2014. Yep, exactly. Uh, they they um, did some really cool visualization of the data. Uh, and what I was also very impressed about was the fact that they created an API. So this API is published, and anybody who wants to get access to this you know application programming interface can actually build their own visualization tools of this data. Now, the the thing that um, is good at this is a great start for something that kind of gives us a better idea as to the, uh, the tourism data. Um, but what is also important is how frequently is this data now updated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think uh, the next effort will be to try to, you know, refresh this data. Yep. So certainly when you're talking about uh, civic hacking and open data, something you and I, Bert, are very passionate about, but certainly for civic hacking to have the greatest impact, you need the participation, the partnership of the public sector, the government. So we'll see how that goes. But again, congratulations to the, they call themselves the data dudes. Data dudes. On the uh, construction of HiViz.io. Great. Now, thanks uh, thanks, uh, to those guys. And we want to first... Welcome, Nader Hagigipur from the Institute for Astronomy, and he's here to he's here to tell us about the Extreme Solar System Conference that's taking place in Waikoloa. Welcome to the show, Nader. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Now, you know, we uh, I, I'm sure you know because uh, Roy Gal has probably told you that we were thinking of changing the name of our show to uh, Exoplanet Palooza, and we've covered you know uh, a number of different announcements. 
And of course, now having a conference, this is only the second conference like it, or is well, it actually, third? No, actually the third conference. But it only happens like every three years or something. Every few years, and depending on the progress in the field, we have the first one in 2007 in Santorini and mm-hmm. uh, in Greece. And mm. uh, we had uh, another one three year, uh, in 2011 uh, in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is uh, each one has uh, some sort of uh, occasion associated to it. And this one is the 20th anniversary of the discovery of the first extrasolar planets. The 20th anniversary. Yes. Wow. Now, one of the things that uh, you've been well recognized for is uh, sort of the you were like the lead researcher on this uh circumbinary planet that revolves around a couple of stars. Tell us a little bit about that. Right. So uh, for those who are interested in science fiction, they might remember that the Luke Skywalker coming out of uh, his land and walking towards the horizon and see two suns. Uh, Well, that was science fiction and many, many years ago. But a small group of us, including myself, have been promoting the idea that that science fiction is not entirely fiction Mm -hmm. and that there is actually science behind it. And uh, it was uh, until the the launch of Kepler Space Telescope that we were able to uh, get enough data and with the good uh, photometric sensitivity to be able to detect planets that go around two stars. So think of, for instance, in the context of our solar system, think of um, Mercury being another sun and Jupiter and Earth going around both of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, if, okay. yeah, if you want to think of it a little bit, uh, um, think of it this way. You wake up at morning and you have two suns out there. You have two shadows when you walk. And uh, just imagine one of the suns sets, the other one stays up. Or they both go down and the, the, the length of night is longer than 12 hours. And uh, I'm, I'm curious, <laughs> could, you, could you tell us uh, what clued you to the fact that this this particular planet was actually revolving around two suns? That's a very good question. So we look at the data coming from uh, Kepler telescope, and we notice that uh, we see something very interesting about that the specific binary star system. We see that when the two stars of the binary go around each other, at certain times, the light of each one of them dims for a very short mm. amount of time and a very short amount of intensity. And uh, uh, we were scratching our heads, and of course, um, being the promoter of uh, planets uh, with more than one sun, that was the first thing that occurred to us, that it may be a planet that is blocking the sun, the light coming from each one of the stars. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started working on that, uh, uh, and the, uh, we needed more and more data. So three years, four years of data coming from Kepler helped us to... Um, get that model more and more becoming solid. And uh, eventually we had a solid model that could make predictions when would be the next time that the planet would go around those stars. And when we discovered that, that was the that, that was, the was it. Mm-hmm. That was the proof. Mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. A whole planet of people who can pretend they're Luke Skywalker, very timely, right. certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking, does it go in a figure eight? But no, it makes sense. They kind of yeah. form the center mass, and I guess right. they have a more oval shaped uh, orbit. Right. And um, the chances of finding this is very unlikely in the sense that the plane of the planet and the sun have to be pointed at. Earth for us to see it that exactly. way. Exactly. Right? So you have to be at the right place to see that the planet goes in front of the sun right when you see it. And that if you are a little bit up or down with respect to that little plane, you basically don't see that. Were you able to determine the, the size of this planet and whether or not it was in the uh, sort of the Goldilocks zone? Absolutely. Uh, so so far, we have discovered 10 of them. We are going to uh, announce two m- new ones next week. Ooh. And among these 10, three of them are right in the habitable zone. Uh-huh. I like uh, it. They are, they, are, they are large. They are as big as uh, Jupiter or maybe uh, slightly smaller. So they themselves cannot be habitable. But similar to our Jupiter, they may have moons that are big enough to be habitable. Mm-hmm. Are any of them named Nader? 
Okay. Oh, no. Wow. Okay. <laughs> They're well, all named after Kepler. <laughs> gotcha. So this takes us up to this conference that, that you mentioned uh, comes around a few uh, – right. this is only the third one. Right. Uh, it's called – the theme this year is extreme solar system. What is, what is an extreme solar system? Well, well um, a planet around two stars is an extreme solar <laughs> yeah. system. That's pretty extreme. <laughs> and, right. And the planets around evolved stars, stars that are much older than our sun, and they have gone through phases that are no longer – uh, they, are, they have the same size as sun. They have become much, much denser. Those are uh, planets that uh, they have very, very uh, oval-shaped orbits. Uh, so they go so far away from the sun, and they come very close to the sun. Those are extreme uh, systems. Mm-hmm. Our solar system is sort of uh, a very nicely uh, and moderately uh, <laughs> uh, architected uh, solar system. It's not much, uh, there's not, nothing so extreme about it. But we do have many planetary systems out there that uh, are not like our solar system, and they present uh, very orbital characteristics uh, that, uh, um, but we basically don't know how they got that, and uh, they are very different from our solar system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, there is a Frontiers in Astronomy right. panel that you are also right. on, right. and this provides a uh, vehicle for the public to actually get a you know sort of a, a good dose of what you folks might be presenting at the conference. Correct. correct? So what we are doing is that we are bringing three um, of the uh, speakers from that conference, including myself, on Wednesday. We are uh, we are coming back here to the UH Manoa at the Art Auditorium. And uh, we are giving uh, a public talk. Each one of us will give a 10-minute talk. And then uh, we're going to open the uh, session to public, and we have a roundtable answering questions. The purpose of it is each one of these members of the panel that are coming representing one uh, area of that extreme solar system. And uh, so basically uh, people on other islands and uh, in, in Manoa, for instance, they get a, a flavor of what is going on over there and uh, what has been discussed, what are the new discoveries, and if there is any question, we can answer that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you'll be on that panel with Andrew Howard, Paul Kalas, and John Wynn, as well as yourself, as you mentioned. Right. That'll be next Wednesday, December 2nd. Um, but uh, for the conference on the Big Island, do you have any details on that? Uh, if, uh, presumably only hardcore astronomers would want to go, but where yeah, is it taking place? Uh, that is, uh, so it's going to um, uh, by Cola Marriott, and uh, it starts on uh, that sessions start on Monday morning, but uh, people will arrive on Sunday, and sessions will uh, scientific sessions will end uh, in the afternoon of Friday. It will be uh, one week of uh, many talks and presentations. Uh, we have something like 300 hardcore astronomers coming from all over the world. I love it, and yeah, uh, so the many many talks, uh, several hundred poster presentations. So yeah. Sounds good. So where can someone go to find more information uh, about, uh, if not the hardcore astronomer conference (laughs) on the Big Island, this great public talk that's happening next week at UH Manoa? So uh, for the the talk in UH Manoa, the easiest way to go to ifa.hawaii.edu, and we'll have it on the front page uh, that will be advertised there. And we'll also advertise it in the homepage of the conference. Uh, The easiest way to get to the homepage of the conference is to Google Extreme Solar Systems 3. Ah. And I will take you right there. Very good. Thanks, Nader, for joining us. Absolutely. It's great to be here. Thanks, Nader. And, of course, next up we have Rachel Herman, and uh, she is here to tell us about a scholarship program for women interested in STEM fields. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you for having me. Now, this this scholarship came from the – well, why don't you tell us where this scholarship came from? Sure. Um, I currently have held two AAUW scholarships. The first is from the AAUW Honolulu branch, and that funded dissertation research, archaeological dissertation research in uh, Sarawak, Malaysian Borneo. Oh. And yeah, and it also facilitated the discovery of three new rock art sites. 
So, uh, you know, when I used to go to the University of Washington, I always thought that AAUW had something to do with University of Washington. But what does it actually stand for? The American Association of University Women. So does this uh, encompass all university women? I mean, any, anybody who's associated with any university in the U.S. would be potentially a part of this? Um, any woman who is enrolled in a university in the United States or who has graduated from a university in the mm-hmm. United States mm-hmm. can join the organization. So there's a federal organization, a national organization, and then there are branches in different cities. And Honolulu has one of the oldest branches in the nation. Oh. Now, Rachel, what was your path into this STEM field? Did you say Borneo? Yeah, Malaysian Borneo so archaeology. How did that happen? <laughs> Um, my first love creative writing didn't work out. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, it, it happened because I, I grew up in an archaeological site, and I've always been interested in archaeology, and I followed my passion and interest in archaeology to Hawaii. That's that's pretty amazing. And, I, of course, um, certainly it's been a, a, a rising and a, and a welcome drumbeat in many fields, technology, for example, but STEM, certainly, and as we're going to be talking in the latter half of the show, all about STEM and education and opportunities in early education or earlier education, mm-hmm. um, there's still certainly an underrepresentation of women in STEM fields. I mean, was Absolutely. that your experience as well? Uh, yeah. I, so first, I do think experiences are they differ a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, in my personal experience, yes, but that's also because I work in an archaeological frontier where mm-hmm. there aren't that many archaeologists anyhow. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's changing in archaeology and in anthropology. So we have a, about an even split between men and women, but men disproportionately are chairs of departments, large federal grant holders, based on data that was harvested about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be interesting to do another study and see where we're at. So, Rachel, what um, drew you to this particular scholarship, and how did it get onto your radar? Um, Well, I dedicated about 10 or 15 hours a week for my entire graduate career to finding funding, and I was really surprised to find that there was an AAUW in Honolulu. I didn't know about it until I applied for the scholarship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was their information on the website and then meeting people and speaking with them after I decided to apply. So you have uh, were already in an undergraduate and looking to do graduate work, and this scholarship helped the graduate level. Uh, uh, I was a, enrolled as a graduate, or I am a graduate student at the University of Hawaii at Manoa, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was getting, I was looking for funding for my PhD research, which mm-hmm. in archaeology involves typically going off into the field somewhere, and so I was looking for a scholarship that would enable that, mm-hmm. and they're one of the few that um, allow to field work. Basically. Yeah, basically. So it's a, it's a fairly flexible scholarship, I suppose. I'd, it is. You can use it for a variety of things. And it's fantastic because if, say, that you're a mother who's returned to school, you could use it to finance child care while you're pursuing your degree. Oh, so it's very flexible. So how young could you perhaps be to mm-hmm. actually apply for a scholarship? Can you, can you be a high school student looking to get into a university in a STEM field? I mean, wh- where, where is the sort of age range? Right. As... As far as I understand it, if you plan, if you are accepted into an undergraduate institution, an undergraduate degree granting institution, or um, an an upper graduate degree uh, granting institution, mm-hmm. you're eligible to apply for the scholarship. And the AAUW Honolulu branch specifically uh, specializes in funding women in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I'm glad that you were able to find that opportunity and it helped Thank you, you do too. your field work. Um, and hopefully for uh, university women now listening to the show are are intrigued at this possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, is there an upcoming round? I mean, how, how, how does one apply? Is it specifically for STEM? 
It is, um, it's not specifically for STEM, so people from a variety of fields can mm. apply for it, but they do privilege STEM in the application evaluation process because they're trying to uh, facilitate STEM education. So I would suggest people t- check out both the Honolulu branch and the national branch, and the mm-hmm. best way to do that is to Google AAUW. That will get you to the national branch's website, and Googling AAUW Honolulu will get you to the branch here in Honolulu. Mm-hmm. Now, when you were doing your search for potential uh, grant opportunities, these mm-hmm. funding opportunities like this, were was it a, uh, a fruitful sort of opportunity out there that you could go for grants, or was you know the the you know the AAUW was like the you know the one that could potentially help you get some funding, and and you know other otherwise it would have been sort of a, a desolate field out there. <laughs> I, I think definitely for uh, field research, it was really, really difficult for me to secure uh-huh. funding. And so the AAUW facilitated that, uh, the Honolulu branch did. And also be- as a direct result of that, I was able to secure a federal AAUW scholarship that is helping me complete my dissertation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how far along is that? When when can we, <laughs> we look? <laughs> is that a difficult question to ask a graduate student perhaps? But. <laughs> my advisor, I'm sure, really wants to hear that answer too. Um, I have to be finished by February. Does the does the uh, scholarship have a time limit on it as well? The AEUW federal scholarship does have a time limit. You have to have a project that is completed um, by fall of the year after that you secure the fellowship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The AEUW Honolulu branch is a little bit different, but your study plan has to be um, something that is possible, and then of course you have to prove that you've done it. Okay, and then um, are you the sole recipient in Hawaii, or are there others? No, there are many others. Um, the AAUW Honolulu branch gave away over $50,000 in grants. Oh, great. Fantastic. Well, yeah. I know the AAUW is um, really spinning up and being more active. Uh, we co- covered a couple of, mentioned a couple of their events uh, a few months ago. I know they have even like an app-centric appy hour coming up app- next <laughs> week. <Happy hour. laughs> uh, so certainly if you want to get involved with the organization, find out more, you can, as uh, Rachel mentioned, Google AAUW or AAUW. Honolulu. Mm-hmm. But uh, thank you for coming on the show and letting everyone know about this opportunity. Thanks very much. And of course, uh, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Superintendent Kathy Matayoshi and Senator Donovan De La Cruz to tell us about a program called Live, Learn, Work, and Play. How is this program different from other STEM programs? There's that wonderful acronym. Of course, we'd love to hear your thoughts or questions as part of that conversation. You can give us a call at 941-3689 or toll-free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. And, of course, we're live here in the studio. You can tweet us your questions at ByteMarks or at Hawaii. This is ByteMarks Cafe. Hi, it's Lynn Rosetto-Casper. In our Key 3 series, we talk to gifted cooks about their three essential recipes. This week, it's New Orleans chef John Besh. He steps us through a seemingly elemental process, a fried egg. That's this week on The Splendid Table from APN. Saturday morning at 9, following Weekend Edition. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hi, I'm Phil Cousineau, author of The Book of Roads, Travel Stories from Michigan to Marrakesh. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about how everything is a road. Sunday morning at 11. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. 
Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting and Sacred Hearts Academy. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And joining us today are Kathy Matayoshi and, of course, Senator Dela Cruz. Kathy Matayoshi is the superintendent of the Department of Education uh, since September 2010. And prior to that, she served as the acting and interim superintendent from January 2010. Senator Dela Cruz, meanwhile, represents the 22nd Senatorial District, which includes Mililani Mauka, Waipio Acres, Wheeler, Wahiava, Whitmore Village. He also serves as the vice chair of the Committee on Ways and Means and as a member of the Committee on Education, Government Operations, and Water, Land, and Agriculture. And how does a concept like live, learn, work, and play get implemented in a district? We'd love to hear your questions and comments. And, of course, that number to call is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. We want to welcome both of you to Bite Marks Cafe. Aloha. Great to be here. Thank you. Now, let me give you, uh, our listeners, our, a little preface to how this started. So I get a call from the senator. says, Bert, this senator. is, this is Donovan, and I want to tell you about a program. And so he proceeds to tell me about live, learn, work, and play. And I'm thinking, oh, this is kind of interesting. And with, without giving away too much, can you, in one minute or less, repeat what you told me? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll try. <laughs> I will try. Every conversation with Bert is clearly memorable. So yeah, can just but you, if you can condense it to like a minute or less. So the, the whole concept of live, learn, work, play is you live in your community. Um, obviously, you want to work in your community, but... The industry is going to need a skilled workforce. Mm -hmm. We have to train, so that's where the learn, live, learn, work. And if we can improve the economy in the area, then we can actually invest in recreational facilities. So you know, we, we can reverse the brain drain and hopefully um, avoid traffic coming into town from the other areas of Oahu. You, that's, a, that's excellent, excellent. Because when I, when I first heard this, I thought, well, this is a novel idea. You know, if you can find industries that are prominent in that district or region and perhaps build a pipeline so that students could get exposed to potentially the industry that might be the employer in that area. It would and, be kind of a cool thing to, to, to happen, right? Well, and what's, what's really important is maybe not everyone's going to go to college. Maybe they can't afford it. Maybe they're not motivated to go at the moment. But if we can create a, a, a pipeline or a, a pathway from K to 12 and ensure that the industry can hire them, at, at upon graduation, then at least the student has options. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, Kathy, one of the I, I love the idea of it certainly, and you can embrace the differences of different communities, different regions. Uh, um, but certainly, when you're thinking about doing something statewide or deploying it on a large scale, certainly. I would think one of the challenges are that, yes, our districts are so different from each other. So how would you tackle that? Right. But there are some things that are very common. I think when you look at this kind of concept, one of them is you engage your community and you gain your business. You know, we want the connection between school and work. And I think that's really important because when kids see that I'm learning this and because I'm learning this, I could get a great job in my own community. It's inspiring for them. It keeps them interested. It keeps them working hard mm -hmm. because they see a value for themselves. But what I do think is the lessons we're learning in Wahiawa around live, learn, work, play are applicable in other communities and other schools are interested. How did you engage the community? How did you get the support? Where did you align the curriculum? How did you find the teachers? And all of that work informs other communities. You don't have to recreate the wheel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, you know when, when Donovan tells me the story, it, it's, so, it's so new and invigorating. But I got to feel, Kathy, that this is something that has been 
something that the DOE has been looking at for a long time, right? I mean, looking at well, trying to Well, this is actually align. one of the superintendent's priorities. Right. It actually is because we have, as Donovan said, focused a lot on college readiness. Mm-hmm. But we know that not everybody wants to go to college. And we also know that kids who go to work sometimes end up going to college, you know, and so it's not ex- mutually exclusive. And I think one of the things that I've been really passionate about is we can't do everything in the schools. And so engaging the businesses, getting our communities involved, it's all a big plus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I can certainly appreciate that some communities certainly have their own identity. Wahiwa is certainly one. Milani Mauka. Uh, I'm from Hilo. Like that. Hilo is its uh, own special place, too. So I don't forget the Hilo. neighbor islands. I do. I do. But okay, tell me a little bit about, so it sounds like there might have been a pilot or a test in place in Wahiwa that you're starting to derive some of these best practices through? Well, I think part of it is just having Donovan helping kind of inspire and uh, catalyze action um, beyond the school. And we've got principals and teachers who are involved. There's there's national security uh, assets there that are inspiring some thinking. They have a need, Mm -hmm. and they've reached out. So they kind of started the ball rolling as well. And I think what we're finding is people are saying, hey, that's great. I want to be part of it. And even members of the community association, the business associations, are starting to say this is something we can get behind. Well, you know, we've uh, covered a couple of uh, cybersecurity conferences or cyber program, yeah, 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 programs that have come out of uh, the Lelehua area, yes. and Cyber Patriot is one of them. And I think it, it was largely driven by a couple of uh, businesses as well as people that were already kind of in the industry. Uh, but it was centered around. Well, actually, it took place in a number of different schools, but Lelehua was one, I think, that won. You know, I do want to mention, though, that the superintendent did sign a memorandum of agreement with NSA. So she kind of laid a foundation maybe at least a year or two ago yeah. in mm-hmm. regards to this relationship. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do, and NSA's come back and the superintendent has... Um, has supported it is how can we focus Lelahua to be a magnet then for for NSA so that we can have our homegrown students in Wahewa work at in an industry that's right down the street so NSA can hire up to five thousand people um, if if our students are prepared they're willing to accept them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and as long as they go through the cybersecurity pathway other agencies are saying hey we might want to hire these kids too so uh, you know what 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 sometimes we see is we see elements of this, like if Cyber Patriot, we have feature, you know, Cyber Patriot, I mean, it's, it's sort of pieces of the puzzle. And it's kind of neat to see sort of the bigger uh, plan that is, is unfolding. So when the NSA approached you, uh, what was it that, what was it that they could bring to the table? And, and how was uh, the, the DOE ready to accept, you know, the challenge of, of creating sort of these pathways? Well, they offered us a lot of different resources, um, they have internships that they're offering for our high school students. Um, they've offered mm-hmm. uh, our teachers and others in the community opportunities to see the facility, to talk to people about it. They explain a lot more to the kids about what it might mean. Frankly, that Cyber Patriot um, uh, competition, Leila has excelled. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. they have excelled not only within the state, but nationally. Right. And I think, you know, you have that kind of success. It starts to bring a, and attract more kids into the program. It starts to grow. And you start to develop some real momentum around the program. And, you know, having that kind of support from NSA where they can actually show you how they're connected to this larger national picture. And then they start talking about the number of jobs, as Donovan said. You know, people start paying 
paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think we had covered Lily who are getting, I think it was their second year, in fact, as national champs in that pride, in that uh, competition. Now, Donovan, uh, perhaps tying back a little bit to talking to Rachel Herman, who was a recipient of an AAUW scholarship to help her do her field work in her science field at the University of Hawaii. Um, I would imagine, especially when we're talking about these uh, cybersecurity initiatives, that STEM um, is one of the focus areas broadly for this program that you're talking about. Yeah, so NSA has already um, identified the types of skills that need to be taught to our students. And it's not just STEM. Interestingly enough, foreign language is included. Um, and NSA has even told us that some of their best coders or decoders um, have musical background or an art background. So they really are looking for a mm. well-rounded student. Um, and the sooner that you start the student in, in this pipeline, the more they're committed to making sure that they can get the security clearances they might need, mm-hmm. uh, making the time for, for studying. They can see the relevance, as the superintendent said, so that they're more invested. The parent sees it. They see a difference in their student. Um, and Lelohua needs a magnet. You know, quite frankly, they lost a number of students to other schools. And being with the weighted student formula, they've lost some budget. So mm-hmm. each school that may be losing some student population for whatever reason, they need to find their magnet academy so that to attract students to, so that they can have as the funding they need to properly run. Mm-hmm. So if, let's say, Lelehua builds the curriculum that supports sort of this pathway into uh, cybersecurity, would other students be able to get potentially a district Exception to go to Lelihua? Oh, yes, they could, um, especially because, le- as, uh, as the senator said, they have lost some uh, enrollment, and so there's room for kids who are interested in the program to come back mm-hmm. or to get over there to the school to take advantage of the opportunities that uh, NSA and the overall curriculum is offering them. Well, there's a couple other programs, too, like Cyber Hui, and then there's the Gen Cyber uh, program that that's also going on. So there seems to be a lot of sort of momentum around. Yeah, there's a lot of small pieces. What we're trying to do is how, how do we figure it, how do we identify what's in the universe so that we can accomplish something real? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, Kathy, I mean, when I think a lot of these programs, I think many people assume that we're talking about extracurricular, like these are clubs and these are things that kids stay after school and they can do, but that's not the case. It sounds like it's being incorporated into the established curriculum, certainly the required curriculum at the, at, at the high school, right. for example. That's the idea, is to really create a pathway um, using the various classes, aligning the classes, maybe offering some new coursework um, to fill the gaps, mm-hmm. and so that a, a student can actually follow a certain um, course uh, of study. And at the end of that, they know that they are f- prepared. The employer knows mm-hmm. that they are prepared for taking on certain jobs, that they have certain skills. And so it is very much about aligning and, and making some changes in how we do things. Well, that's what I was kind of curious about in the sense that certainly you also need then that expertise in the faculty to be able to work with the students to do that. So uh, what is what kind of support is there for them? You know, as the superintendent mentioned regarding NSA support, uh, one of the, the in addition to teacher training, teacher um, scholarships, even one of the things that they want to do is partnerships in teaching. So NSA staff is willing um, to attend Lelahu High School and co-teach classes, maybe foreign language, maybe computer science, so we can fill the gaps. Mm-hmm. Is that a is that a process that uh, uh, needs to 
I guess, not only find the right teachers that might want to go through the program, but perhaps recruiting new teachers? I mean, what kind of timeline do well, you give And that's yourself? why the superintendent said that this is a pilot project, so we got to work out the kinks. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. fact is we have a willing employer, an industry, that we know is going to pay our students well so that they can continue to live in Hawaii and raise a family, have right. a good quality of life. And we have a complex that's wanting to, to be the recipient and the partner to make sure that this happens. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Senator Donovan Dela Cruz and Superintendent Kathy Matayoshi from the DOE. And uh, we're talking about regional STEM. We're talking about focusing on particular industries that might uh, be pertinent to a district. If you have a question or comment, feel free to give us a call. That number is 941-3689 or from the neighbor islands at one eight seven seven nine four one three six eight nine. And speaking of the neighbor islands, Kathy, you were mentioning that this is not a Oahu-centric thing. I mean... Uh, I think part of this pilot also includes neighbor islands as well. Uh, what are some of the other ideas that might be getting out to some of the um, uh, activities that might be focused around, let's say, the big island? Well, for example, Kealakehe mm-hmm. High School is right across the street, basically, from the Natural Energy Lab. And so there's an opportunity there for them to really have their kids started on um, research, okay. business yeah. opportunities, employment opportunities related to the research and the work being done in, with oceans, mm-hmm. with the ocean. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a real partnership where um, the superintendent is already working with Shamanad and right. the Office of Naval Research to, to help this, the complex with that curriculum. Another place, by the way, is in Waimea on Kauai, where Waimea High School has been working with the missile range. And they've been putting together a, a missile program for the kids, building uh, rockets, um, doing, you know, kids love to do that. Well, that, the that hands-on stuff. That and so totally that's makes really sense because one of the programs that we've been following uh, incorporated activities that took place on all the, in the various community, community colleges. colleges yeah. uh, Kauai Community College was one of them, Honolulu Community College, and they all had a part to play in the payload that was going to go up on, on one of the, uh, one of the uh, rockets. Right. So... I would imagine that schools on uh, on Kauai would definitely want to get into that action. Right. And actually, Kealakehe also had a, the, one of the first lunar experiments that was going to go up and actually be on the moon that, and w- in partnership with uh, Iolani School. Right, so the right, two right, of them, right. public and private, working together. And uh, kids, fantastic, fantastic. You know, another partnership that the superintendent has helped facilitate is um, Waipahu High School with Hart. You know, Hart's going to have to hire 300 people at their operations center. And so it would only make sense that Waipahu High School, which is right, right next, next door, door yeah, with yeah. Leeward Community College, so that we can have a pathway that feeds heart, um, a workforce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're even looking at Queens West and the, all the healthcare needs that we are going to need to have people trained uh, to help older people like w- me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that we're going to need people. And um, Queens is right there saying we need, uh, we need to get the students ready and interested. Well, you know, going back to Kealakehe, uh, the we had the folks from um, uh, their team and the Iolani team. They did the project called Moon Riders yes, and Moon Riders. That's the is, one. Uh, and the the I know the science teacher out there in Kealakehe. I mean, they he is like a terrific. Like a, 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 he has so much energy around science and and you know getting the kids involved. It's amazing. It's yeah. really quite impressive. Yeah. If you can if you, you know tap him. To further the program, I think it's it's uh, a good thing to do. The uh, uh, partner that we're definitely going to have to embrace is the Department of Business and Economic Development because they're going to have to help us ensure that 
Neha succeeds and it, and actually even grows so that we can have more jobs for the students at Kealakehi as they graduate. So it, it, the way you phrased that <laughs> made it sound like uh, they, they don't quite get on, the, they're not in the program yet? or what? Well, you know, unfortunately, I mean, we could say, we could, we could ha- ask DOE to do everything, but that's, they're limited in what they can do and in their scope. <laughs> we need, we need the, the Office of Economic Development to create incentives, land use incentives, um, whatever the case. They have HSDC, Well, maybe, maybe, maybe this is a good time to give a plug to the folks over at Pisces because yes. Pisces is very involved with, you know, moon riders and, you know, the, the lunar landing pad, landing pad and the, uh, the lunar concrete and all that kind of stuff. And, as a legislature, you should you know sort of check on what the what the latest funding on Pisces yeah. might be. <laughs> well, that's where that's the, the, what we can't. St- what we have to stop doing is looking at things in silos, and how does it? How do we in- incorporate the Department of Education, the University of Hawaii system, Department of Labor, and DBED, and are all four at least all four of those at the table? Mm-hmm. If they're not at the table, if if we have a missing piece, then I think it's going to be handicapped. Well, Donovan, as a, at the Capitol, what is, where do you think that forum is, that venue is, that channel is to be able to cross and connect those silos? You know, to try to change it from a statewide perspective is really difficult because the bureaucracy is, has, has a certain culture. And that's why I really amend, I commend the superintendent to say, well, let's look at it from a regional approach because we can get stakeholders on board faster. We can get a specific focus. We can get the community on board and we can probably retrain and create partnerships a lot quicker. You also see opportunities for real action, and you don't get caught in planning and planning and planning, you know, for this enormous thing that's going to take so much effort to get off the ground. Instead, you get those wins, and you see the kids excited about the program. You see the teachers getting the support. You see the the principal leadership on board. Mm -hmm. And now you got something where people are looking at it going, wow, that works, and that kind of success builds momentum. And from there, we go systematically more statewide. So, so Kathy, to, to uh, Senator's point, does it require more action on the part of the uh, legislators in that district to really push on making some of those things happen for well, regional sort of uh, uh, momentum to be created? Well, I think the more people that join in the effort, the better legislators are there for policy. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also there in case there's some need for some seed money or some catalyst for action. So I think that's been really helpful to have area legislators there to to be kind of prodding us and saying, we want this for our community. Um, it also helps that they pitch in, and uh, Senator Del Cruz has done it, like really put hands on, get to work. I mean, not just sit on the side and tell us, go do it, but actually get in there and um and if you've ever seen him running around corralling I, I, people I, I, and no, no, he, he, taking him on the tour, he, he's in there. So that really <laughs> that really helps too because you feel the commitment. Most definitely. You know, we want to get more into sort of the, the STEM discussion, and I want to uh, hold that for just a minute, and we will be back after this short break to continue our conversation with Superintendent Kathy Matayoshi and Senator Donovan Delacruz. How do you build and get to critical mass with a specialized program like this? Of course, we'd love to hear from you as well. You can call 941-3689 or from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. You're listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Work, relationships, health, child-rearing all benefit from embracing gratitude. Gratitude is this rich, complex emotion that we can pin that to a specific location of the brain is amazing to me. Hi, I'm Susan Sarandon. 
Join me for the Science of Gratitude from PRI, Public Radio International. Thanksgiving Day at 5 p.m. The four talents of Pacific Harp Project explore uncharted terrain with traditional harp repertoire and jazz improvisation. Join them in HPR's Atherton Studio on Friday, December 4th at 7.30 p.m. To reserve your seats, please go to hprtickets.org. Sponsored by Bonnie Rice and the Rice Partnership Wealth Management. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And we're talking to Superintendent Kathy Mariyoshi and Senator Donovan De La Cruz about developing a regional STEM pipeline. And, of course, you can give us a call here. That number is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. And right before the break, we were talking about sort of these regional STEM sort of focus areas and and uh, Senator Dela Cruz kind of pointed out that, you know, one of the important things is, is sort of the alumni associations. And tell us a little bit about what, you know, what's going on in Lelehua. I mean, and, and uh, is this a force in the community? Well, when you look at the, reg- the regional approach, it's really a regional approach with a complex. Mm-hmm. Elementary schools that feed the middle school, that feed the high school. And so Lelehua doesn't necessarily have an alumni association. It's a Lelehua Alumni and Community Association, which supports the entire complex. Mm-hmm. So it helps get seed money, grant money. Um, it supports the different complex schools so that it can look at it from a more regional standpoint. And that has been a major help in this effort. Um, in addition to that, the superintendent has um, key staff members working with um, the association, NSA, the community colleges, and actually the university system. And we meet regularly um, almost every other week to make sure that we're on track, that we're meeting benchmarks, and that things are getting done. Mm-hmm. So it's a partnership with so many different people. I mean, it's one thing to say that we want all these things. It's another thing to say, okay, how are we going to do it? Who's going to commit the time to do it? And Well, that's good that you brought that up because I'm curious, what sort of uh, benchmarks would you be establishing and and how would you be sort of meeting those benchmarks? Well, right now it's ensuring that we have all the partnerships in line. So a couple of weeks ago, um, NSA had their their uh, head of curriculum come to Wahewa and, and Lelohua High School. Mm-hmm. Um, the first lady attended the ceremony. There was Kathy Kawaguchi from Shamanad and Office of Naval Research. We had people from the university system, community college level as well, and um, DOE at different levels. And it was almost of a, some sort of informal kickoff to say, okay, now let, let's go. Let's start. We're all on the same page. We see each other as partners, and let's move forward. Mm-hmm. And so now we start to say, okay, um, developing the curriculum, what, what components need to be done by when? The partnerships, the training, all of those things have to have some kind of pecking, uh, some order so that we can, we can start to fulfill the needs. 
I like how you mentioned the alumni association. Certainly, you know, they're part of the community and they certainly can see uh, themselves probably in students that are coming up through the school now. I'm also curious, in addition to, for example, the NSA and the kind of broad national kind of pathway that you might be looking at, is there a private sector component? You mentioned previously when you're looking at these regional communities that you're trying to build uh, that there's businesses in areas that can also play a part. Is that something that you're seeing specifically for Lelihu or is that... Well, in regards to cybersecurity, companies have already said, hey, you know, that's a big deal for us. You know, I mean, people are getting hacked. They got to protect information. So maybe they're going to, a student, a student may go through this pathway and they may end up working for a bank or a credit card company. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not necessary. It, it, it's a field that's going to, that's, that's, the future is going to have to need a lot of workers in. So um, we're very confident that maybe not everyone's going to go to NSA, but there's going to, they'll, they'll probably get a job. Mm-hmm. Now, Kathy, uh, obviously there's a lot of momentum happening in Donovan's district because of the no, force no, that Donovan is. No, 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 it's a partnership. <laughs> yeah. um, how, how would you contrast maybe some of the activities that are happening on the neighbor islands or in, in any other district? Well, so often it is really driven by uh, a visionary principle, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we sometimes don't hear about the work that they're doing because they're not out there um, you know, beating their own drum, if you will, letting telling their story. I mean, we're trying to get that out, but there's a lot going on. There's a whole group of high schools that are doing early college, for example, Mm. where you get credit, a high school credit and a college credit. Um, And we've got tons of kids that are now moving through that. And that's a really great partnership with the community colleges. And um, that kind of support from them and the the sort of working together collaboratively has made a big difference for kids over at YK High School. I think there were four kids that graduated from high school with a diploma, high school diploma and an AA hmm. degree. So, you know, well, that's fantastic. Uh, so I'd be curious how somebody would get the ball rolling. I liked the examples that you gave. Waipahu High School with the Transit Control Center right next door. Big Island with the with the, the Nelhub uh, Laboratory right next door. And so you think to yourself already, if you're a resident of a specific neighborhood, you can see where something is exactly. big and playing a role. North Shore and, and alternative energy, uh, wind energy, for example. So you have this vision you're a, you're active in your community how do you start to um, begin the process in becoming part of this live uh, work and play program well I think first thing is you begin by reaching out to school leadership hmm. uh, you can reach out to those of us in the state office as well and we'll connect up but a lot of it has to do with matching up the desires and the dreams of the schools and the community and really having that discussion and and kind of a meeting of the minds around what we can and cannot do and what you know, what our role is as a Department of Education and what businesses can bring. We but, have to be really open uh, to the idea that businesses are going to tell us maybe what they need, mm-hmm. and we have to listen with maybe different ears. They need to listen also about what we can offer. You know, I mean, it's sometimes I feel like we're speaking different languages. You know, the business is speaking in business talk, and schools are beaking, speaking with an uh, education ease, mm-hmm. and we're not really co- connecting. So I think that's part of it. It's just having starting off that discussion. Well, I do believe, though, that um, just because I, I don't want people to think that DOE is the panacea of, you know, they, they, have a, they have a specific role that they need to play and they have to be awesome at it. Something like that, I, I really hope that the community will talk to their legislator and say, hey, help us facilitate this in getting not just DOE, but the community colleges, the industry, um, nonprofits to the table. You know, get their legislator involved in, in becoming a leader in, the, in, in that effort. And if there's not an industry, you know, 
let's say maybe Nanakuli or Kahuku where there is no industry, then they should be asking their legislator, what industry can we create in our community so that we can create a pathway? Mm-hmm. It's funny. Well, we, uh, we, we always, we've been saying this recently, the DOE does not stand for Department of Everything. It's Department of Education. And we need to stay focused on education. And of course, you know, I- I- educating our students for their to take advantage of opportunities in the future. Yes, mm-hmm. but we we can't do. And it's not that they don't want to do it. I mean, you know, this is we're talking about a very passionate department yep. that wants to see success with mm-hmm. their students. It's just that they have to be awesome at what they're focused at. So Kathy, you you mentioned some visionary uh, principles and you know, we've had uh, Keith Hayashi from uh, Waipahu yep. on the show a number of times and uh, one of the things that we he always gets recognized for is sort of starting the STEM Academy. Right. Uh, what was it? Was it was it purely his idea of of, of providing the resources to Waipahu students uh, that that really prompted him to start the STEM Academy, or what, was it some other sort of more holistic view of of perhaps business opportunity that might re- you know revolve around that area? Well, I think Keith has done an outstanding job around the concept of academies, but there are many schools that actually. Um, have this academy concept, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a group of high schools in the Smaller Learning Communities grant that really uh, was a catalyst for this thinking. So you've got Kapa'a and Kaimuki and other schools who have created academies. Um, and again, it depends a bit on um, the interests of your students and what's available in the community and how quickly you can pull things together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, that's part of it. But uh, the, the concept of academies is is been around and it's a matter of implementing it well. Mm-hmm. But now, I think even the academy seems to be evolving though because even yeah. Keith will tell you, d- he'll ask do we have precise alignment? By the time the student graduates from the academy mm-hmm. is is what they've learned exactly what the employer needs or pretty close to it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes education we're hoping and praying that we'll teach them this curriculum that we think is going to be optimal and let's pray that they have a job. So we're moving beyond that and I mm-hmm. think that's we're going to a much more precise effort in making sure that there is a, an alignment. Mm. Well, Donovan, I wanted to key in a little bit on something you had just said. You know, certainly uh, even, you know, they say that, that, that these live, work, play communities rarely exist except in urban Honolulu and military communities as we're just discussing. You know, Leilahua, for example, good example. But you said if there's not a natural or an obvious fit for a district or a complex, then you maybe need to generate one. You need to decide what that theme is and create a magnet school. Um, is is there a template for that? How how is there is there some place that you'd be looking to say, okay, well, our school uh, here uh, on Maui, um, we're going to be digital media, and that will be our our vision. I mean, how 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 does how does a school complex work through that process? Well, and and if that if that is what they've decided, you know, you would want to make sure that they have the the environment for film studios, a creative media outlet. You know, you just have to make sure that that the business industry the industry and businesses are there to support the graduates as they graduate so that they can hire them and that i think that's a that's a job for our counties and the de- department of business economic development and tourism you know we've had sugar plantations and pineapple plantations and we've said hey we've got a transition and we've never come up with a real plan to say what's going to take their place as far as industry and so this will help us hopefully focus on that mhm mhm 
Well, one of the things I'm sorry. One of the things that might occur to me, and maybe Kathy, you have a thought, is uh, agriculture. You know, a lot of people were thinking when you talk about p- pineapple and sugar, and the, that's gone, and it's not something for us anymore. But certainly, there is, in fact, even now a STEM component to yeah. agriculture in terms of be doing better with the land you have, making the most of it, um, treating it and working sustainably. For example, well, so there's even can, a tech element to agriculture, right? Right. So there's you could, definitely a tech element to it, and. Of course, if you really want to grow that agriculture industry, whether it's through small farms, you still need infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not something the DOE does, but certainly our students would want to learn how to be part of the the group of people that run, <coughs> operate, maintain, market, you know, take do the accounting for an agribusiness, even if it's organic, if it's small farm. Well, you know, I got a chance to visit the uh, Mary's Farm. Mari's Garden. Yeah. Mari's Garden. Mari's yeah. Garden. And, and uh, they have a pretty impressive hydroponic facility out there. And yeah, but we got to scale these things up. Well, see, these guys, but these guys are big. I mean, they, they have the potential to scale because they've got a pretty big facility. But when you're and talking they had, about they had students from, uh, from Midpack helping to learn about you know hydroponics when, which when, i think you know i think would be great to have like milanis right in milan but right? when you, when you're talking about a graduating class of 5 to 6 to 700 mm-hmm. that's not the scale we're talking about i mean we really got to look at what kind of industry can we can be located in a community so they can absorb a workforce that's graduating every every year you know i mean taking into consideration some people may leave but we just can't have one small right, company right, right. But, uh, be I mean, the. Pe- I mean, what are some of those examples? But outside of outside of Lelehua and the NSA, which has a big presence, what other examples can you point to? And that's where I'm saying we have Nelha. You know, the superintendent talked about the missile range, um, or Barking Sands. Some of the other things is we need just the t- more than the two of us at the table. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, we need yeah, yeah, yeah. Department of Business, Economic Development, and Tourism. You need the University of Hawaii. You know, I mean, it just can't be. That's what I'm saying. It has to be a partnership because if not, we get stuck in mm-hmm. this rut mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of success, but we just can't seem to get to the end zone. Mm-hmm. Now, this concept that you're working, this re- these regional li- live, work, learn, play communities uh, is presumably there are also best practices, perhaps uh, people trying to do something similar elsewhere, or yeah. is this uh, a homegrown idea, Kathy? Well, I just came back from a conference where one of the elements was uh, looking at what we call career readiness. And so there are a number of states that are focused now, not just on college readiness, but career readiness. And I think what we found is, of course, every state is different, just like every community is different. So, you know, New York, California, they've got some large industries. That's where they're going to go. But when you look at the comments from the other state superintendents, many are looking at uh, revitalizing uh, a city or a county where industry has left or where agriculture is on the decline. Mm -hmm. Um, They're also looking at places where it's predominantly small business, which sounds very familiar to me because Hawaii is really a lot of small businesses. And so we began to talk about what they're trying to do. And I think there are similar approaches I think one of the things about Hawaii is we're unique, I think, culturally. And in terms of our values, I think there's a closeness, there's a willingness to collaborate and and work together, uh, especially when you talk about kids Mm -hmm. and the future um, and whether my kids can continue to live, work, learn, play Mm -hmm. in my own community, my neighborhood. I think that's different, and I feel that that's different. But some of the infrastructure pieces that they're working with, uh, metrics that they want to use, um, some of the research around approaches to business and communications, et cetera, those we can learn from as well as they are learning from us. 
So when you uh, went to this conference and you know found out what some of the other superintendents might be looking into, uh, are there what would be the let's say challenges to implement any of those here? What would be some of the first things that you would try to look at as as being uh, something that you could you know take from what they've revealed and and perhaps implement here? Well, one of the things is to think to think more broadly about the kinds of jobs that we're talking about um, and what and how far down in the grade levels that you're actually looking at the alignment. So we've talked about 9 through 12, the high school years. But um, we really want to start talking about even before that. 7th mm-hmm. and 8th graders, as they begin to explore career options, you know, they've got to hit ninth grade. If they're going to be heavy in science and, and, and technology, they can't skip ninth grade math, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> or they can't think that I'm only going to do two years and I'm good to go. I mean, they've got to think about getting to the right level early. But how do you do that when you're only ninth grade? Right. Well, part of it is getting them to think in seventh and eighth grade about what their future might be beyond high school. You and know, right? I do, I do want to mention, though, that um, in Texas, El Paso, they have a whole pathway for Toyota. Kindergarten mm-hmm. to career, community college, and then four-year college, depending on the type of job. In Georgia, there's Georgia Power. There's a, it's a whole STEM pathway. So when you, if you're a student in Atlanta, mm-hmm. you go through that, then you, you get a job at, at Georgia Power. In New York City, there's a charter school. You, go th- you graduate from that charter school. You, you meet the certain criteria. You get a job at IBM. Those are just three examples. But mm-hmm. I think nationwide, I mean, Kathy is right. Everyone's trying to just figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we only have a couple of seconds left. So, Kathy, I mean, where can we sort of keep up with what might be evolving in this sort of STEM arena that we're talking about? Well, one of the things I, I've been really proud of the last few years is that our website looks great now. It's got tons of information, easy to find, hawaiipublicschools.org, mm-hmm. mm. easy to remember. Um, and so they can find I, live, learn, work, play. There. They will find not only live, learn, work, play, they'll yeah. find out about everything in the Department of <laughs> Education uh, on that website. So I really encourage people to, to take a look and dig in and, and click through um, to some of the pages. And, and Donovan, where can people find out your, your sort of uh, the momentum you've created with live, learn, work, play? I mean, where there's uh, capital. I saw that newsletter you sent me, and that was pretty good. Well, they can sign up for the, for the newsletter from the Capitol website, uh-huh. through, um, and they can look like, look us up on on that. Um, but I just want to point out that um, in addition to the website that the superintendent talked about, you know, they're very active on Twitter, Facebook. Yes, I mean the DOE has a very active social media component, and um, you know, it'd be it if you want to follow it, you have more than one option to. Please, please friend us on Facebook because <laughs> we need all the friends oh. we can get. And, uh, and actually, <laughs> HIDOE808 has been tweeting, live tweeting this program for the last hour. So, HIDOE808 on Twitter. Well, Kathy Matayoshi is a superintendent at the Hawaii Department of Education. Of course, Senator Donovan De La Cruz represents District 22. We want to thank you both for joining us today. Mahalo. Thank you. It's been great. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we'll talk about planetary research taking place at UH. And, of course, if you missed any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. And you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Bite Marks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Collins-Levitt. And we leave you with the song pick of the week. Here's a lost, long lost recording by Ocean Blue called City Traffic. See you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.